So, a very good day, everybody. It is the 1st of February. I can't believe I'm saying that. 1st of February, 2022. <clears throat> Bit of a problem with my throat, etc. today, but notwithstanding that, I'm going to get in the car, go across the mountain, down to Albia, and uh, wish Eric a very good day. How are you, Eric? Uh, good morning, Vince. Uh, very well. And uh, Weather down this end is absolutely extraordinary hot and warm everything you know i don't know what you're like are you okay yeah the, the the last couple of days uh really hot i mean it's no wonder you get the odd chill because basically you're sitting it's freezing cold to start with then it goes yeah. absolutely roasting and then yeah. round about say six o'clock then you've got to get your coats on again because it does really yeah. get quite cold doesn't it you know yeah i nearly put my shorts on the other day but I thought, no, don't cast a clout till May. That's what my mum said. <laughs> ah, well, she, she's probably right because I, I had been, I had been casting, casting the clout, and I've had my shorts on, <laughs> and uh, probably I just, um, you know, I've, I fell foul of something. But anyway, okay. Well, we've come to the end of the uh, Premier League transfer window, and uh, did anything really take your eye? Well. <laughs> And they tried the best to make it sound very good, you know, the transfer window and all that. They build it all up and being truthful, not really. I, I couldn't say anything to take now. The only thing I have been keeping an eye on is uh, Newcastle, who uh, obviously they've had to reset everything. They've, I think they bought about five players. They've got the money now, and it's just a matter of that if they can escape relegation, which is still a possibility. And uh, another thing was that uh, Everton starting off with a new manager, Frank Lampard. You know, things like that have taken me eye. Uh, but other than that, most of the transfer gossip has been a bit of rubbish, in my opinion. But a lot of people maybe think different if it's your team, you know. No, I, I agree with you, actually. It does get on your nerves, really. It seems to just go on and on and on. Um, yeah. What do you think of Dan Byrne, for example? It's not a name that springs to my mind, but he's up at Newcastle now. Um, who is he? Well, funny enough, I know Dan Byrne because uh, I, I noticed him last year and I picked him in my fantasy team this year. Reason being, he's six foot eight. I think he's the tallest player in the Premier League. And I was thinking for a big lad. I mean, that Vista guard who played for Southampton and has moved to Leicester, he was the tallest one. But I think Dan Byrne now is the tallest player in the Premier League. And, yeah, he's quite a good player. And what's happened is the best player Brighton have got is the captain, Louis Stunt, and he's a Brighton lad through and through. And he's been injured for the last three or four weeks, and Dan Byrne has been swapped to centre-half, and he's been playing really well for Brighton. It's a shame that he's gone and left them and gone to Newcastle. But apparently, which I didn't know, he's a big Newcastle lad. You know, he comes from that area. Yeah. And it's kind of a nice move for him to go back up to that neck of the woods where he where he's probably well, born and bred. And he's, that's a club he wanted to play for, probably, in the long term. So I'm, I'm pleased for him in that way. But he's a good player. I don't think he's a bad player. Anyway, that's for sure. And they've also signed uh, Bruno Guimaraes for well, I must 40 admit, million. I don't, I don't know a lot about him, I'll be quite honest with you. Yeah, that, that's know, the problem. The, yeah. the, other ones, the other ones we know about, don't we? Yeah. Kieran Trippier, Trippier he's, a, he's an ex-Manchester City player. He used to play in the, the academy at City and uh, 
a friend of mine, Fred Air, is the brother, not his brother, his son, used to coach City youngsters and that. I was listening to him on the radio about um a few months ago and we were talking about Kieran Trippier when he was about 15 or four, very, very young and he could kick with both feet. He had a strong kick and he's such a, a good player in them days, you know, when he was a, yeah. a youngster before he ever got to being 15 and he could kick both feet. Very powerful shot because he scores three kicks. And uh, I know... I, I knew that he was going to be a good player that trip here, and obviously it's been well known, uh, well documented since that he's a, he, he turned out to be a good player. And I'm, I'm pretty sure that he'll be a big asset to Newcastle as, he, as the weeks go by. Or as the, as the season comes to an end, you're going to, have to need some points. Yeah, well, I mean, you, you look at Newcastle; they they don't look a, a terrible team, but the the fact is they need strengthening, otherwise they will go down. Um, okay, Everton have got uh, Delhi Ali. Now, I think that's a good signing for um, Frank Lampard, don't you? It could be. I mean, we all know what, he, what he, we, we know what he's capable of, but we the problem with uh, Delhi Ali is that he's not shown it for so long now, and it makes you wonder, you know, like success going will success spell rock hunter. You know what I mean? He had all that big success early doors at. Uh, Tottenham and uh, he, he seems to have now gone through that system whereby nobody can get the best out of him. I mean, the, the Pochettino was probably the best one who got the most out of him. And then we had um, Mourinho, who didn't really do much. Nunu's not been able to get anything. And this manager now has not got anything out of him. But at the end of the day, you've got to give everybody a chance and hopefully, from his point of view, he'll turn it all around. But I personally have not seen anything recently that would make me change my mind. I just got a feeling that he's going the same way as a lot of young ones have gone, whereby they reach the top. And the hardest part, once you get to the top, is to stay at the top. And in his case, he's not been able to maintain that. And although his ability is unquestionable, but uh, I think it's, uh, mentally he may be something wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't, we, we don't know these people. We don't know what goes on behind closed doors. You know, when they're training, did he put everything into the training? Does the manager notice that? You know, and think he's not trying. You know, well, I'm not going to pick him and things like that. These are things which go on which we don't know much about. All we do is uh, pick up the newspaper and read something or watch him on the telly and see the way he plays. And in my opinion, he's not done enough for me to uh, warrant saying he's going to be a great player again. I hope I'm wrong, for, for his sake, being truthful. Yeah. Well, quite honestly, um, <clears throat> I remember many times when uh, I was with the youth training scheme, and it often appeared that uh, once a kid gets to about 16 or 17 and starts thinking more about his hairstyle than anything else that's when you tend to get a few problems. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but if you look around the, the Premier League and look at the types of people that have got themselves into problems, very often there is a hairstyle that goes with it. Yeah. Yeah, and he's got a ridiculous hairstyle, but that's a matter of opinion. I suppose it's... I'm a bit old-fashioned, I suppose. I, I used to like the nice crew coat what everybody used to have in the old days and look smart as anything. In fact... Funny enough, he just reminded me the other day when we were talking last week about um, Duncan Ferguson and uh, the Liverpool player Gerard, Stephen Gerard. I thought it was really 
nice to watch them both on the line, looking really smart and well turned out. You know, last week when Everton played yes. Tottenham, yeah. uh, Everton played uh, uh, Aston Villa. You know, I thought, well, they both look really smart and not scruffy. No disrespect to Klopp, uh, to Klopp at your place. He looks a real scruffy bugger to me, <laughs> but, you know what I mean? He, he, but those two, I saw them on the line and I thought to myself, they both had suits on, nice shirt and tie, both clean-shaven. And I thought, wow. And, and I forgot to mention that last week when we were talking about the game. And, and during week, he come back to me and I went, blimey, I meant to mention that. And talking about haircuts and stuff like that now, just reminded back to mention it. And I thought they both looked great on the line, a pair of them. Yeah. And uh, were a credit to the game, you know. Right. Um, no, I totally agree with you, actually. And um, what about the Nathan Patterson signing for Everton? Um, who's he? I don't, I'm, I'm not that keen. I, I don't know a lot about him. I must admit, he's uh, another. And like I said, these people could popped up now in this transfer window, and not really heard that much about them. Being truthful, the Vietnamese is a good player, though. But I, I haven't seen enough of him to get to able to judge him. Being truthful. Okay, Liverpool were the third biggest spenders after Newcastle and Everton. And uh, they splashed out £49 million on Diaz of Porto. Now, he played very well against us. But, um, do you know much about this this player? Not a great deal, but I do know that this, this uh, transfer has kind of been pushed through a little bit because another team were trying to sign him and it looked as though Liverpool were going to leave it till the summer before they made a move for him. And uh, because this other club had, had gone in with a bid, Liverpool realised that he was up against something and then they decided to go back in and make a bid themselves. And I think that's what's happened, why they've pushed it on a bit. And from all accounts, he's a good player, from what I've been told. Another one, I've not seen a lot. And I don't know about you this weekend. I've uh, I've had a break as well, you know, from watching Premier League football. Yeah. And not that not there's anything wrong with the championship because I like championship as well. But I give myself a break by, by not watching much football this weekend. I've got all the results coming through on Saturday afternoon, like you do with Jeff Stelling and them lot. But other than that, I've, I've not really watched a lot of football this weekend because I give myself a break. <laughs> Yeah, well, I don't blame you, really. Uh, as it is, I did watch the African Cup of Nations games. Not all of them. Um, but uh, what have you picked up from the particular tournament that I'm talking about? Well, it's a, that's another one. You know, it's a, everybody's having a rest and these lads are playing over there in Africa. And God knows what could happen when they're playing in Africa. When they come back, you don't know whether they come back with another... Another thing which might spread around the link in Britain or what, I don't know. But uh, football-wise, the, the Cameroons, which is the country where it's being played, they look pretty much the favourites to win it, in my opinion. But uh, remember many years ago, they used to have a cracking scene, the Cameroons. Can you remember that centre-forward, Rogers, somebody was his name, who played up front for them uh, well, anyway, they, they had a, a great team many years ago when they first started in the World Cup and all that, Cameroons, and uh, and it looks like over the years they've done quite well. It's just one of them countries now. I mean, African players now are obviously are more in the limelight because they getting they start off probably in French football and move from France to England and 
probably maybe into Spain. They're all over the place now, the, the African footballers, and as it's proved by this competition. Of course, people pop up and you think, oh, Barney, he used to play for so-and-so. Like, you know, I think that his uh, South African, uh, well, African footballers have made a, a good name for themselves. When we go back to people like uh, Eusebio, who comes from Mozambique, I think, if I'm not mistaken, and people like that who've been great players over the years, and you tend to forget that they're the actually African players, although he played for Portugal, but yeah. I think Mozambique he come from. Well, anyway, the, as I say, it's a competition just about coming to end now, and I think the Cameroons will win it from what I've seen. OK, well, I'm going to go for Senegal. Uh, All right, yeah. <clears throat> I've got to say... That's, that's who uh, money pays for, isn't it? Yeah. Is that my, what do you reckon to that? I don't really want to talk about this. They've been told by Liverpool not to play Mali because in England, if you've had a bad head injury, you're not allowed to play two games on the trot. Now, Senegal are going completely against that and they're going to play him, which isn't isn't quite right. You know what I mean? It's a, it, You've got to think of the players' health, but it seems to me as though they're bothered about it. Well, and and the, the same thing now with the lad who's just joined Brentford, uh, Ericsson. Uh, now, do you reckon that in Europe he's not allowed to play again now because of this accident he had? And uh, yeah, he can come to England and play in England. FIFA or UEFA, somebody somewhere along the way has got to get a ruling that everybody has to stick to these rules. Because as it is at the moment, it, it's ridiculous that Mane should now be playing for Senegal when he's had this bad head injury. God, God forbid that anything happens to him, you know, and I'd hate to have that on my mind. And I can't understand why they're being allowed to play him. And I agree with, with Klopp when he's asked them not to play him because... You're supposed to be a, a, a game rest. You know, when you've got a bad injury, yeah. don't play in the next game. And the same thing with the, the health of the Ericsson, who if, in another country is not allowed to play. And and now he can come to England and play it. I don't know. There seems to be, there should be a ruling that covers every part of the world, in my opinion, for the sake of players' health. And, that's what I think on that one, anyway. Yeah, I, I think you're right. Winston Senegal, you know, <clears throat> Senegal playing money. I mean, it's more to, more to things than that winning a football match, you know what I mean? person's life and family are far more important, you know. So, anyway, it's just my little bit of a rant there because he, nobody's taking charge of these situations and it's another thing that's kind of swept under the carpet and nobody seems to be bothered about it. No, you're, you're right. I mean, I watched Manny playing. He, he looked really sharp, actually. He looked really good. But uh, as you say, if he's had that knock on the head, it's whether something down the line happens. That's really what you yeah, should be worrying that, about. That, that, yeah. And he scored, funnily enough, after he had the knock. You know, so it's a, it's, a, it's a strange one. But you can understand Sammy Gall not wanting to lose the best player. But at the end of the day... For losing for one game's better than losing for life, isn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, th- there was an interesting uh, story. I don't know if you got this. It was to do with uh, one of the referees in... It was a game... Marley were playing Tunisia. I'm reading it now. And uh, he blew for full time early in the uh, game because uh, he reckons he could have died of heat stroke. Uh, oh, but I He's a Zambian, and uh, he ended Tunisia's game 13 seconds before the 90 minutes were up. 
having pre- previously blown for full time five minutes early before checking the timing and restarting the game. He said, wow. um, I have seen people going for duties outside the country and come back in a casket. I was very close wow. to coming back like that. I was lucky I didn't go into a coma. It could have been a very oh. different story. The doctors told me my body was not cooling down. It uh, would have been just a little time before I would have gone into a coma, and that would have been the end. I think God yeah. told me to end the match, and he saved me. Well, we, we're going to have to be careful when they're playing Qatar because of the weather there, you know, for World Cup next year. Well, this year it is now, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, you, you're going to have to be careful there because it, it's being played at that time because it's a, supposed to be the coolest time, but it's still very hot there in Qatar, you know, so we'll have to be very careful. It was bad enough that year he played in America, the World Cup, if you remember. Remember Jack Charlton being on the line and saying that the players needed water, you know, it was important, you know, and then he started putting water all around the ground or all around the pitch, you know, so that water could be picked up and drank at any time in the game, you know, when there was a stoppage. Yeah, well, uh, the, this. Uh, referee again was saying that uh, the weather was so hot and the humidity was about 85 degrees uh, 85% sorry of course it is. Uh, after the warm up I felt the conditions were something else we were trying to drink water but you couldn't feel the water quenching quenching you, nothing Ah. Um, the second half saw several stoppages including two video assistant referee reviews, a drinks break and five windows for substitutes so I mean, really, I, I, I've, I've said all along, I don't think this, uh, this tournament should be played in guitar. I think it's totally and utterly no, incorrect. It's, just a, it's a backhanded job. It's like when he played in Russia not long ago. You know, there's so many people who are uh, brown envelopes passing about. I know you go on about brown envelopes in football, but <laughs> at the top, it, there's so much money. When you talk about a country holding a tournament, uh, it makes all the difference what, how much money it brings into that country. We're not talking about footballers making X amount of money now. We're talking about the country with the exchange rates and the, the money coming in and what it building the infrastructures. You know, it's so massive. You know, it's uh, incredible. And a, f- a few million here and a few million there to somebody is nothing compared to what some people would make out of it. You know. But I mean, when you, when you actually look at the country it's gone to they're already a stinking rich country. And Mm. so the football authorities have decided that they would rather risk the health of everybody involved in playing those games. And um, for what? For what? I mean, we could easily have the the, the whole uh, tournament in um, Britain, Britain and France, Britain, France and Germany. You know, your options are endless in Europe, and yet they take it to uh, camel racing territory. Just crazy. Yeah. Like you said, you just put these... The I mean, at the moment now, that part of the world, they're trying to get into everything, aren't they? You, you know, all different sports, you know, all racing, you've got everything. They're trying to pull different sports to that part of the world and uh, just trying to make a name for themselves. And it's all it's all backhanded job, in, in my opinion, but... Not a lot we can do about it because nobody can prove it. Yeah. Okay. Um, now let me just uh, find your jingle. I'll play this quickly and then we move on. Mm. It's talking football with 
The Silver Fox, Eric Balmas. Okay, good jingle, that. Um, Eric, uh, how, there's a pub called The Bull in the Balm, and it's down in Shropshire. And they've won the services of Roberto Carlos. Remember him? Oh, yeah. yeah. Uh, it's a, it's, yeah, it's a dream transfer raffle on eBay, meaning he will <laughs> appear as a substitute at one of their Shrewsbury and District games in February. Wow. <laughs> Isn't that lovely? Purple. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so where are we going next? Let me just get my book and have a quick... A peep and we're going to look at this um now this is one that i wish we weren't talking about this but we have to and it's the story in the press yesterday about um mason greenwood of manchester united um what did you make of it well first of all it's uh it, <laughs> i think we just discussed it about like when we mentioned Deli Alli before certain players reach a certain level and then Instead of being able to stay at the top, they tend to go down other pathways, and uh, which doesn't help them. And no disrespect, a lot of footballers nowadays are brought up to keep away from people like who can who can just suddenly put something in their face. This happened about four weeks ago, by the way. It might have even been more than that. Because if you can remember, I don't know about you, but when when they picked the England team and and. He was he was left out of the England team, and it said that he'd spoke with the manager of United, which I think was Ollie Gunnar at the time, and they decided to leave him out. Well, all this was going on in the background, which we didn't know anything about, and then he never got picked for England. And this is now, so I think it must be about four to eight weeks ago when this was all happening in the background, but it's only just come to surface now. <laughs> And uh, I think that's what happened when I never got picked for England, you know. And he'd also had that trouble. And I was a bit worried because Foden was with him that time when he was in uh, Iceland. And yeah. they, they had the two girls in the hotel, which was who was supposed to be isolating, etc. And uh, I was a little bit worried. Oh, Foden don't go down the same track. You know, I know he's had his hair done blonde and all that, which uh, I, I wasn't that keen on. I'd rather them be natural footballers. If you have to have a different colour there, I think there's something mentally wrong with you because it means you need attention, which is not necessary when you're a professional footballer. You get that natural, you know, yeah. wherever you go, yeah. without having to colour your hair. But, um, yeah, the, the, the Greenwood situation, I mean, I mean, this, this girl who said he's raped her and done all this, that and the other, so we just have to wait and see how it pans out, really. I always remember Jed Evans with Man City where he was accused of going with this girl. And all along the way, he denied it and he denied it and he denied it. And he went to court and he got sent down and he was put in a prison. And you know what happens when you go to uh, court and things like that and they offer you a deal whereby if you admit you did it, that, you know, we'll, we'll drop the... the the, uh, the the fine to such and such a thing, so many months or in jail or years or whatever, rather than that. Yeah. And all along, this, he kept offering him deals like that, and he kept saying, "No, I did not do it." And at the end of the day, after he'd been in jail for about over two years, I think it was, he got let out because it was a wrong decision. 
you know what I mean? And it just goes to show we, it's hard, you know, the papers and the, the press to get all of these things and they make you look a real bad guy, don't they? So we've got to be careful. Yeah. I'm not going to say he's, he's innocent. I'm not going to say he's guilty. All I'm going to say is you've just got to be a little bit careful because anybody can say anything about anybody and it can appear on the front page of a newspaper and people see that paper when they go to work and they're picking a paper up from the shop on the way there. And these are things which, where, well, we know it ourselves, how, how people uh, are brainwashed by what they read in the newspapers. We've seen over the years, I, I I mean, I used to read newspapers avidly until I realised how stupid it is. It's only one person's opinion, you know. Yeah, no, I think you're absolutely right. I didn't think I'd ever try to defend him uh, because of, obviously, the the histrionics in previous occasions, but he's almost guilty by uh, by what's appeared in the paper, isn't it? The, the problem is, Vince, is these kids are only, they're only about 20-odd or whatever, and they're on about thousands and thousands a week wages, you know what I mean? And the young, they're not married, they're single, they think you can do anything you want. That is a big danger. And this is why I always think nowadays, a lot of footballers are brought up from being about maybe eight or nine, and they go through schooling, and all these things are taught them by the people at the, fo- at the football clubs about staying away from not going into such and such a place because people will be there ready to exploit you because of your name and because of how much money. You know, with blackmail, you don't you don't know whether this girl has been offered to blackmail him before she comes out with a story. Why would it take so long for it to come out? These are little things which are... We've got to look at, you know, and yeah. I don't know. I mean, I, I hope the lad is innocent, but at the end of the day, it doesn't look too clever. It doesn't, especially as Nike have suspended its relationship with uh, him. And, yeah, I mean, uh, we've, we've already got the lad at Man City Mendy, haven't we? Yeah. He's he got about six cases. He, I thought they'd thrown away the key with him, but if they've let him out now, he's, he's out and about on a, on a bail, but originally he couldn't even get bail. But I don't know. Trouble is, as I think we've said many times on this programme, footballers think they're above the law and above everybody else. And unfortunately, it's when things like this happen, when we realise that they are still knocking about these kind of people. I'm surprised Mendy's out, because if any of those six charges have got anything of uh, substance, then... You know, he's back in society. It doesn't make sense. I don't understand I know, it. I know. Well, we've had, we see all these things with the, uh, the the cases of uh, people doing shootings. They've, they've been known about these people, and they let them go back out again. And next thing, they've got a gun and go and shoot anybody. Do you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> the crime level at the moment is terrible, isn't it? I mean, these stabbings is doing my head in. I can't believe that children would stab another child. It, it just does not seem logical. Well, you know, it's for, got to do with these games and all that. I don't care what anybody says. Well, for me, I think you're right. It's got to be the video games or violent films. Mm. Yeah. And when you think of Mary Whitehouse and what she tried to do and how everybody ridiculed her. Now, when we go back to the 80s, um, we had identified the problem of black-on-black crime. And so much of this is black. I don't know why it's black. It doesn't make sense for it to be anything near a race issue because it's just a horrible, aggressive, um, just doesn't have a meaning for me. But, you know, it 
was identified as black on black and particularly in the London area. Although it seems yeah. to be just about anywhere at the moment, doesn't it? What they, what they say now is kids are walking about with knives because in case they get attacked by somebody with a knife, you know what I mean? It, it's kind of like, yeah, I've got a gun and I've got a bigger gun kind of thing, you know? It's, well, at the end of the day, I think we've got to go back to parenthood and stuff like that where people are left to go into their own bedroom and watch what they want and do what they want. And it's very hard to find... A family now where they really brought well, it's very difficult because what happens is everybody kind of follows the, the leader kind of thing, doesn't it? And that's what happens, and they all want to do that. In my day, the only thing that was dangerous for us was, well, I never did it, but having a smoke behind the shed or something <laughs> like that, do you know what I mean? Yeah. That was really bad news, like if you had a cigarette or something like that. But nowadays, you talk about knives and, uh, oh, it's disgusting. Yeah. No, it is. Um, okay, I'm going to move on and uh, let's play your jingle again. There we are, just to check the... It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes. Okay, so Frank Lampard, OBE. Um, okay, he's now taken over at Everton. Uh, I like the guy. I always like the cut of his jib, as they say. Um, and uh, considered to be one of Chelsea's greatest players and one of the greatest midfielders of his generation. Very similar to Steven Gerrard, really, isn't he? Well, it's very difficult to not like uh, Frank Lampard because, like you say, he, he's always looked good. He, He's looked after himself. He's been one of them players. If you follow other managers and listen to what they talk about him, particularly his uncle, actually, Harry Redknapp, he said, he used to be at West Ham and he used to be back on the pitch there shooting balls in from practising and practising. And it, every day he'd do that extra work all the time. And he, he, he's just one of them kind of people who has deservedly done well. In the managership side, we don't know how good he will be because it was hard to judge him at Derby and what happened at Chelsea. Because uh, although he did well at Derby, it, Chelsea soon snapped him up and took him up there because it's a bit like uh, a Gerard. You know, they both got that kind of skill factor, haven't they? Whereby yeah. you've got to like them. They both kind of give hundred percent week in, week out, whichever club they played for, and. Uh, and it's nice to see, well, in Gerard's case, I'm, I thought he took an easy rider when he went down to Rangers because I don't disrespect, I just feel that if anybody goes down to Scotland and manages Rangers or Celtic, that they'll do well uh, nine times out of ten because you'd have to be, you know, they're so far ahead of the other teams, in my opinion, yeah. up in Scotland, that, they, you know, they're going to win what, come what may. Thunder Fringe and Celtic play tomorrow night, but it's another story. But, those two in particular, Frank Lampard and Stevie Gerrard, it's going to be nice to follow their careers now or they go as managers because a lot depends on if you get the right backing off people. And if Everton give him the right backing and he uses his own mouth of what players he wants. I mean, what annoys me nowadays is that they get people in now above managers who pick the players and then they say, well, you've got to work with them. I mean, really... 
the very first one doing that was Abramovich when he took over at Chelsea many years ago. Yeah. And they, they brought Shevchenko, and because uh, he, he, he was Russian, or, and, and he put him in the Chelsea side, and he was kind of telling who they can buy and who they can't buy, which is fair enough. It was his money he was spending, but at, at the end of the day, the manager then feels he's got to play these players, and he's more or less sold to do it. But I, I'm looking forward to seeing how the pair of them do because I think Frank Lampard is a nice guy, as you say. Uh, Stevie Gerrard, the same. God, well, we, we know that Gerrard has had a little bit of a punch-up in a pub in Liverpool once. <laughs> but let's be fair, I think that most people must have had a punch-up in Liverpool, not including <laughs> you, of course. And <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, Eric, um, did Frank Lampard play for, for Man City? I think he did, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. Come to City, just before he went to America. Yeah, he played for City. He's like you say, he was a gentleman in front of the score against Chelsea when we played them and we drew with him one all at, at uh, the Etihad. But yeah, he, he just, uh, how, how can you put it? You, if, if you're a footballer and you're in the dressing room and there's somebody in there like Frank Lampard who's worked his socks off all through his uh, career, and it, it, it's good for the youngsters to see, I think. You know, that's, that's what you can become, son, if you work hard and become a. Uh, 100% player, and I think that's what he used to be. And like Gerard, you know, Gerard, both like run on a kind of a parallel lines, and too, in my opinion. And apart from the fact that they both played for England, and I always felt that Paul Scholes got the rough end of the stick because he was always the one who got pushed out on the left wing, whereas uh, Frank Lampard and Stevie Gerard both played in the centre of the part, which was their best position, whereas in Scholes's case, he wasn't the left-hand side he played no more than Lincoln Gerrard would be or uh, Lampard, you know what I mean? But yeah. that's the way it went with England. We had three great, three really good midfield players there and unfortunately somebody got stuck on left. And I think that's one of the reasons why Scholes he packed in playing for England. Yeah, I'm looking also that statistically he was named the Premier League Player of the Decade from 2000 to 2010. So, I mean, as far as a pedigree goes, m- my only thought is these days, I'm not too sure how much of an example you can set people because, quite frankly, you see people who are exemplary. I mean, he would be one in a playing sense. And, um, um, yeah, Gerard is another one. And uh, certainly it would appear that, um, y- you know, y- you get good players, they come into a club, the manager tries to help them as much as he can, and before you know where you are, they're just doing stupid things again. Uh, it's yeah. almost like they don't see the obvious. Follow, follow the, the example of somebody like Gerard and Frank Lampard. You know. Yeah, I, I was listening to uh, Neil Warnock, who you probably know. He, he he's a, I mean, the manager for the longest ever, I think. In yeah. The, in the in the. In the Premier League, in, in all the leagues, I should say. He's been up, he's been down, he's had everything. And he just happened to be talking the other day on uh, Talk Sport, and he said that all the teams, I've, all the players I've watched, the one I, I love the most to watch was uh, David Silver, you know, who used to play for City. He said, he said, we used to say, we'll go out and kick him. He said, and you, you couldn't touch him, he just kind of 
spun around and he made space for himself. He said, such an incredible player to watch, you know, and, uh, and I, I've got to agree with him. So people like that, they, they, they're very rare. You don't see them get involved in fighting or out like that. They just get up and get on with the game, don't they? And as a, as a supporter, that's what you like to see. You want to see everybody get stuck in, but it's just it, you don't react to people kicking them. And that, there's nothing worse than to somebody give you the kicking goal, attempt to kick you, and you get up and you kind of just smile and say, I think I've got your number, mate. You know what I mean? Yeah. We have to resort to, to kicking players, and and we all know what's going on. I mean, you had one of the top ones, Tommy Smith, didn't we? You know, oh, and yeah. we, we've seen them all about Ron, Ron Harris at Chelsea. You know what we used to call the action men, uh, Razor Ruddock. They go all over the place, but nowadays, because of football being the way it is, they've changed it. Whereby that tackling from behind and the way they used to get away with murder, like half players will tell you they, they won't be able to stay on the pitch five minutes, some of them nowadays. But uh, it, it's good to be able to know that there's a few goodies about, isn't it? You yeah. Know? Now, you mentioned Neil Warnock, and um, I'm just reading here, he played for quite a few clubs, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, Neil, Neil Warnock, yeah. He was a big lump as well. You know? <laughs> I don't know if you ever seen the size of him. He's, he's a massive bloke. I, I, he always reminds me of a bloke who used to play for Bolton, uh, Roy Hartle. Mm. <laughs> when we used to watch Bolton play, we used to say, he's got his arms on back back to front. Because <laughs> <laughs> of the way he ran. You know, he, so you know what he lived days, he used to have nicknames of players and all that. But, uh, yeah, Roy, Roy, he, he, he was a good player, the Bill uh, Warren. He, he was never going to be a... I don't think he's a football footballer. I mean... Anybody who knows anything about football, you can look at a player and know he's a footballer. And other players have to work hard to be a footballer, you know. And, and that's the way it goes, isn't it? It's just some people are natural. I'm looking at uh, two things next. The first one is <clears throat> apparently Wayne Rooney was offered uh, to have a, uh, a an interview with Everton. And he's decided he wants to be loyal to Derby County. Now, yeah. um, obviously, Derby County's come up again with uh, Frank Lampard when we've been talking. So, A, what is there at Derby that makes people want to be loyal like this? And B, what does it tell us about um, Wayne Rooney? Well, first of all, I'm, I'm glad Chuffy did that because it would have been easy rider for him to go to Everton. And I think if he's got a, any sense at all, he would have known he might have been on a, a bag of nuts because if he didn't do well... He, he, he probably needs a little bit more experience, you know, to uh, take on a job like that. Don't forget, Derby County is his first job, really, isn't it? So, he, and he's still learning. He's, and he's got a heck of a job there at Derby County with all these points deducted. And he could have very easy jump ship and, and, and done it easy peasy, you know what I mean? And gone to uh, make sure that... He, well, uh, the people like Wayne Noon, they're... they're their life is secure, isn't it? They've got enough money now to, uh, to, to never lifted their fingers to do any work ever again. But because if you're a football fan and if you enjoy doing the football, and I'm pretty sure he does enjoy doing football, being a manager, it, it's it's good to see him doing uh, refusing the fact that he could have easily took an easy ride and gone to Everton, but which he didn't. And uh, I was pleased about that because I think uh, it turns out that. I thought that if he'd gone to Everton and say he'd done really well at Everton, you know what would happen? Something like Manchester United would have come along and been offering him another job. 
So I think from an Evertonian point of view, he did right, and I think he's learning his trade now with Derby County. Don't forget, Derby County are not a small club. They average about 30,000 every week, which is a good crowd for the, for that division, you know. And yeah. uh, I've just got the feeling that he knows that he's a good club. But it's not going to be easy to get out of this situation with all these points deducted. But it, I think I, I, I'm quite pleased to see that he's stuck by Derby County. I'm not really a Wayne Rooney fan, I'll be quite honest with you. But as far as I'm concerned, he's uh, doing a good job down there. And it's, it's a, there's another interesting link because um, <clears throat> when uh, Nottingham Forest and, of course, Derby County was the saga and then to Leeds and all that... Um, the the fact that um, uh, Brian Clough actually said that he won't look at people if they don't have a decent haircut. And we yeah. s- we sent uh, one of our YTS trainees, he wanted to go and obviously have an interview with Brian Clough. And I said to this lad, if you don't get your haircut, he said he, he wouldn't look at you. So anyway, this li- this lad wouldn't have it. Went up, you know, completely uh, looked like a hippie from the beach. And... Um, Came back absolutely, um, you know, was so cross with um, uh, Brian Clough, and yet that's what Cluffy had said. So if somebody said something and you don't pay any attention, it's your fault, isn't it? Well, like you say, unfortunately, being these haircuts nowadays, it seems to be a symbol, doesn't it? You know, whereby they've got that much money, you don't know what what to do with it and after they've got all the tattoos in the world and bought the biggest cars in the world and bought the biggest houses in the world and they've still got all this money left over they think oh right I'll go to hairdressers now and get my hair done you know what I mean and this hairdresser will be there thinking hmm I think he's got a few bob coming in here and away you go and I'll tell you what we'll do we'll do it like this and we'll do it like that this is a new style I've just brought out and that's what happens and uh, you've got that much money you, you and I, I just think that's the last straw when they get when they come up with these stupid haircuts. Yeah. Nothing better than seeing, a, as, as I just said before, when I saw uh, the lads on the line, uh, Duncan Ferguson and and um, you know, we Steve Gerrard, Steve Gerrard, yeah. you know, they look great on the line, and they were really smart. And that's a big difference, isn't it? When you when you've been brought up in our day, well, certainly. Well, definitely my day, and you're wrong. So we used to know everybody by the haircut, wasn't it? You used to have your haircut, and you were smart, wasn't it? Just a, and then they, now, for some reason, as I say, footballers think they're being clever, different colour hairs and all that. Anybody who needs to alter their hairstyle is bad news because it is a lot of people with bald heads who wish they could do that, I suppose, isn't they? You know? But yeah. over the years, when you look back at the bald headed players, they were some good players, weren't they? You know? Yeah. So we'll have to wait and see what, what would they would have done. Well, they would have had a tattoo on the head of a hair. <laughs> well, <laughs> as I say, I think there's a link. I don't know how tenuous it is, but there we are. Um, yeah. <clears throat> I'm looking at um, one of football's most successful managers, Carlo Ancelotti. And he's been told by UEFA that he must take an exam on his coaching badge before returning to Real Madrid's bench. Now, he's a a serial winner across all five of Europe's top-ranked countries. And Ancelotti has amassed 21 trophies. But UEFA still need the Italian to to prove he's qualified. What do you make of that? Oh, (laughs) 
it, well, it's just another way for moving it, you know, to, to get attention for some reason whatsoever. I mean, uh, whatever. I mean, I know that everybody actually, I mean, I've been on the coaching courses and you do have to have your badges. And they've done what it's sometimes when you see a player's just finishing his career and he will have said, well, I've been taking my badges now because there's also not only FA coaching badges, but then you have like an international badge where by it's all Europe kind of thing. And they've just added and added that things onto it. So I think from a point of view of saying he's got to prove that he's got these credentials can't be right because if a player wants to be, if someone wants to take a manager on, it don't matter what credentials he's got. If he's your manager and you like the way he's given, as you said before, yeah. then what, why why shouldn't he be? Because sometimes examinations makes it very difficult for people. Some people can sit down in the examination room and go boom, 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 and they'll be finished half an hour before anybody else has finished, and then they'll be twiddling their thumbs and the, because they're just naturals at doing, you know, examination. Whereas other people struggle when it comes to examination time and sometimes you don't always get the best. So I would say you've got to judge them on what they've done. And I think in Ancelotti's case, he's done enough to prove himself to be a top manager. Yeah, I mean, realistically, you've got to remember why you take the exams. You take the exams to get the job. He's got the job. So yeah. um, <clears throat> I'm reading reports in Italy claim that uh, the Italians' coaching badges expired on December the 31st. And UEFA have sent a letter to Angeletti warning him that an exam will need to be passed. And um, <laughs> despite the fact that the current Madrid boss has already taken charge of his side seven times since the new year, the Royal Spanish Football Federation have reportedly now written to UEFA to point out that forcing Ancelotti to take the exam after 1,200 games in management might not be the best idea. I mean, it's, it's absolutely balmy, isn't it? But is, is, is this not really what bureaucracy and stupidity, they seem to go hand in hand, don't they? Yeah, and like I said before about these rules, which are different countries. I mean, England's the only team that doesn't have five substitutes, by the way, in Europe. Everybody else has got five substitutes. We haven't. And uh, there should be, as I said earlier, on, an overall ruling for everybody. You know, we should all be on the same level, in my opinion. But they have different countries, different rules, you know. Yeah. OK, well, look, uh, we'll look at the FA Cup now um, because this is what's coming up next. And uh, I've ch taken most of the games um, and we'll have a little look, see what we predict. Um, Manchester United on February the 4th take on Middlesbrough. So um, I can't really see Manchester United not winning it. Of course, it depends who they put out, which, of course, yeah. I think you probably... Um, like to talk about now. So, um, what would you do as Manchester United's new manager? Well, whatever happens, I would make sure to pick the strongest team for starters, because I agree with what Fergie said many when he, well, a couple of months ago when he didn't pick the strongest team, Molly, and he said you should always pick the strongest team, which he never did himself. Fergie he used to mess about with the team when he felt like it. But the point was that. Uh, I, I would go on the strongest team. It's the FA Cup. Let's keep giving it a full Monty like. You know, let's all go for to win the FA Cup. Never all these changes. And I've just got a feeling that 
he might make some changes. I think I think it more comes from upstairs, you know, where they say, well, give so-and-so a game, we can still beat these with him. And, and I've just got a feeling that's what might happen in this case. But Middlesbrough are a tough nut to crack. Don't, don't, don't bet on that, you know what I mean? They're not a bad side, Middlesbrough, so we'll have to be careful. OK, so a predicted score? Well, like you said, I'm not sure what team it is. I think United will win 1-0, a bit like they did when they beat Aston Villa in the last round. OK, I think they've got lots to prove, and I think that you can't have Cristiano, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo in the team, uh, plus all the other Rashfords and all the others, and expect mm. not to win. 4-1 for me. If they don't beat them by about 4-1, then, you know, the only excuse will be if he's played his younger team uh, players to see what they're like. Um, but I'm going 4-1. Oh, right, well, fair play. OK, now, uh, West Ham United on the next day, the 5th, go to Kidderminster. So how do you think that one will go? I think we'd all like to see Kidderminster win, wouldn't we? Unless you're a West Ham supporter. But, yeah, I think West Ham will... will I'll swamp them. I think it'd be a comfortable win, three 0 for uh, West Ham. Okay, so one nil, three three one. Did you say, Eric? Three three nil, three nil, three nil. Okay, I'm be going... nice for them to get a goal, though, but I can't see it. Okay, well I'm going five one. Uh, <laughs> okay. Oh, well, that way. So Crystal Palace got a couple of new players coming in. Uh, they take on Hartlepool. So uh, this is mm-hmm. the same day. What do you think? <laughs> well, Jeff Stelling's team, isn't it? He does his soccer Saturday. He'll be there when he's keeping his eye on that game, that's for sure. Yeah, I think this is going to be uh, another about three. I'd go 3 0 Crystal Palace. Open wrong, though, because these teams, it'd be nice to see somebody get a result somewhere along the way. Yeah, let's just go to Chris Stelling for a minute because if ever anybody tries to make football sound interesting, I've got to say, he is uh, the epitome of good, good professional, um, you know, just linking all the games on the Saturday show. I think he does such a good game. He's good. He's absolutely brilliant. But I'll tell you one thing. I, I read up on him because I, I used to do a little bit myself on radio on the Saturday afternoon. And... Uh, He's got a, such a good background team, you know, who, who feed him all the information. You know, when somebody scores a goal, oh, that's his eighth goal of the season. All this is information which is relayed to him and, and done beforehand, you know, with, with people in the background. And uh, but it's the way he delivers it. He's brilliant the way he does it. And uh, that's what makes him above anybody else, in my opinion. Yeah. But it's not easy. When I used to do it, I must admit, I used to go through the BBC, uh, all the things that could happen on that particular day. You know, Fred Bloggs' 100th game and so-and-so and all all that kind of stuff. And it's hard work, you know. But if you've got somebody doing your research for you and then you can deliver it the way he does, he's fantastic. And it, like you say, he's going to be sadly missed at the end of the season. Yeah. Um, I mean, even just doing all the research for what we're doing today takes forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, you, you, you've got a finite amount of time and you've got to yeah. make your choices. The next one is uh, Southampton and they're playing Coventry. So what do you think of this one? Yeah, they were... Southampton, but I can't, I can't figure Coventry out these days. You know, the uh, Southampton, I can't figure them out. Coventry... I'd like to see them do well, but it's a it's a shame that 
all these teams you've just mentioned, with the exception of Kidderminster, uh, have all been drawn away, haven't they? You know, so it makes it more difficult. If they could have got home ties, they might have just had a little bit of a song and dance to beat these teams. So I'm going to have to go with Southampton to win 2-0. OK, and I've gone 3-0. Now, uh, we have a good game to look at with Everton. New manager, of course, new players, and uh, they're taking on Brentford, who might just include uh, Christian Eriksen. So, what do you think of that one? Well, I don't think Eriksen will play first because I think he's just had his jab this week and uh, it's got to be isolated. So, uh, I don't think he'll be playing. And neither will the two lads who just signed at Everton, you know, uh, LA and that, I think the cup tied a pair of them actually, but uh, they're available next week. I think they play. I think Tuesday. They, Everton, funny enough, Everton play Newcastle next Tuesday. If I might be wrong, but uh, I've got a feeling in the league game. Well, uh, the point is that they'd be available for that, but they're not available for the cup this week. So it'll give uh, Frank Lampard a chance to see what he's got there on Saturday, and it's going to be a tough game because we all know Brentford give hundred percent all the time and. Uh, They've still not got the goalkeeper back yet. He's been injured now for ages and makes a big difference to a team when you've lost your goalkeeper after you've had him in there, the net for so many years. But I've got a feeling this is going to be a one-nonner for Everton. Okay, I'm going one-two. Although I'm interested to know, is Thomas Franks able to to go to the game? Because he had a red card, didn't he, during the last game? Oh, yeah, I see what you mean. I'm not read anything that he won't be there but we don't, we don't know like you say it's a possibility but I do, you know when it changes to FA Cup to a Premier League game you know and like European games and stuff like that whether they carry on and it counts in the league I'm not quite sure whether it would count in the FA Cup but I'm not sure OK. All right, then. Uh, now, you've got a good game because you've got Fulham, who are playing some lovely football, coming mm. to play you in the FA Cup. So how do you see that one? Well, it, for me, I think it's probably the game of the day. Uh, uh, maybe a lot of people won't agree with me, but Fulham are not going to come to City and play defensive, that's for sure. So therefore, they're going to come out and attack because they've got they've scored more goals than any other team in the country. And therefore, we all know that City are possibly could concede occasionally in, in some games, even though we have got best defensive record in Premier League. But uh, it's going to be a tough game. And I, I, I'm going to go for a City to win 3-2. It sounds illogical, that, but 3-2 seems a, a reasonable score. And I think it'll be a good game. I, I'm really looking forward to it. OK, I've put you down for a 2-0 win. Wolves, Wolves take on Norwich. So, another Premiership clash. Um, how do you see this one going? Wolves, Wolves have been playing really well. They've got a strong defence. and I, I would definitely go for a Wolves. In fact, Wolves would be a nice little bet for an outsider, you know, to win the FA Cup this year. Because if you pick a team that's got a good defence, and they've had a good defence all the year, even though they were losing early on, they were only losing by 1-0, 1-0 against the top teams, you know. And uh, they, they might be worth a little bit of a... I bet this year for FA Cup Wolves. Obviously, you, you fancy your own team, but uh, Wolves had a my outside tip to do well in the FA Cup. <laughs> well, having said that, they probably go out to Norwich at weekend, but never mind. I, I, I do fancy Wolves to win about 2 0. OK, 2 1 for me. Um, OK, Tottenham take on Brighton. So, not an easy game for either of these sides. 
Well, I've said all along, I've said if Brighton can get a goal scorer, it'd be a very dangerous side. But uh, it, this is going to be another tough game. And, and, and don't forget, they all have to be uh, finished on Saturday. You know, it's penalty shootouts and everything, you know. So uh, I'm going to go for a Brighton win here. Uh, I just think Brighton at the moment are, are probably one of the informed teams, even though they've drawn more games than any, anybody else. They are a, a team that play good football and keep going right to the end. That's why they finish up drawing quite a few games. I'm going to go for a Brighton win. OK, and I'm going for Tottenham to win on penalties. Not that I want that, but uh, there no. we go. OK, uh, Liverpool take on Cardiff, and um, I would imagine he'll play some of the younger lads. That's the way I'll see that one. Yeah, I think you'll still be too strong for Cardiff. They've had a, a bit of an up-and-down season, Cardiff. Oh, funnily enough, they won a week last weekend. I think they won 2-0 at home to Nuts Forest, who've been playing well. But, so, yeah, I, I've got, as I say, Liverpool are drawn at home. And all these teams where you could look for an upset, they all seem to have been drawn away. It's just a bit unlucky. Uh, so, therefore, I've got to go comfortable win for Liverpool. 3-0. OK, and I'm going 2-0. Um, Forest at home to Leicester. That's a Midlands derby. It's a big game, actually, for both clubs, that one. So um, where do you see that one going? Well, it's the only one which I think that could rival Man City and Fulham as a good game because uh, Forest are playing really well. They've knocked Arsenal out in the last round, as we all know. Uh, it was a 1-0 victory. They played well. Leicester, they've won their teams this year, aren't they? You don't know what we're going to get with Leicester these days. They... Uh, but they are getting players back slowly but surely, and I think that uh, I'd actually go for a draw on 90 minutes. And well, we'll toss a coin who wins it on penalties, then, uh, in my opinion. But uh, because of Knox Forest at home, I'll go for a Knox Forest win on penalties. OK, and I've gone for a 1 2. So I think Leicester will win that one um, mm. in, in proper game time. OK, well, we've managed to get through the uh, podcast and uh, my throat has held up for most <laughs> of the hour, which is, which is quite pleasing, actually. You know. Good. Um, OK, so uh, then we get back to the, the um, Premier League fairly quickly yeah. after that, don't we? We, we? we have a spate of games. I know Liverpool have got five games in February, which, yeah. are, which are a lot. Um, well, when you think they've just had a week off, we're not playing anything. I mean, uh, I can't understand it, me. I don't, I don't know how they work it all out this lot. You know, uh, it's just ridiculous. I mean, the teams that have had games called off because of the pandemic, it would have been an ideal time to fit them in, wouldn't it? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because nobody's been playing. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. It's just uh, one of the things that people make these rules up and... Uh, they don't know what's going to happen, do they? You just say, oh, we're going to have a week's break because of holiday, you know, a, a break and all that. And you forget how many games that have been called off. I think Burnley have gone about four weeks without a game, if I'm not mistaken. You know, and why did they not play last week against one of the teams? I'm sure it could have been arranged, but anyway. <laughs> the leagues who don't run it, they make their decisions and just don't seem logical. And now there's going to be a pile of stuff crammed in. And next thing you'll be complaining about so many injuries. They can't win, can you? You can't. And I think the Carlo Ancelotti thing really sums it all up, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, well, that's, that's it. Yeah, well, that's, a, that's typical, that. 
All right, Eric. Well, look, that uh, uh, that did us very, very proud to finish on on a high uh, with well, so many games coming in. And I look forward to chatting with you next week. Okie dokie, lad. Well done. Thank you, Eric. Take care. Bye. It's Talking Football with the Silver Fox, Eric Barnes.